Dee Dee Moonflyer here. Welcome to the Twilight Tonic Podcast. As always, I have a freshly brewed batch of the strange and unusual to share with you. So grab your favorite tonic, step inside the broom closet, and let's get started. Not on Twilight Tonic, I have a very special guest and a fascinating one at that, Karen Dahlman. She's not only believing in the higher self, she does something very unique. She uses a spirit board or Ouija board. She's accomplished so many things and I just love that she's written three books, The Spirit of Creativity, Embodying Your Souls and Passion, The Souls of the Ouija for Decades of Communication, the Spirit of Alchemy, Secret Teachings of the Sacred Reunion. Karen, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, Didi. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Karen, I as a woman am so proud of this. Can you please tell people your education background? Well, sure. Okay. So um, I have an undergraduate degree in psychology, and I went on to get my master's degree in art psychotherapy. I love art. And I, as a younger age, I always used art in my own life just to, whether it's writing, drawing, expressing myself in some form or fashion, dancing, that to me, I could see the potentiality and the art work to help people heal. So I discovered this thing called art therapy. And it was a graduate degree program at the University of New Mexico where I was going to undergrad. Mm-hmm. I actually traveled around the country looking for the perfect graduate program, but I found it in right at my back door. It was right there at UNM, University of mm-hmm. New Mexico. So yeah, I went on to get my um, degree in art psychotherapy, and then I became a licensed professional counselor and moved to Texas where I practiced there for about 10 years. And then um, moved on and, and did some other things after that. But I got to tell you, Dee, Dee mm-hmm. when you do any kind of therapeutic or healing work, and I know you know this, whether it's through expression of yourself um, or through writing or something that's, that's, that's creative, right. you find that it doesn't matter if you're doing it as a therapist or you're doing it in other formats because you mm-hmm. find that it just kind of becomes a springboard to the next step in your life kind of where I am now with the work I do with the Ouija board, as you mentioned, spirit board. And to me, it's like 
um, I, will, I will say this tongue in cheek. I will call the Ouija board <laughs> my work on it Ouija therapy because mm-hmm. it's really become this empowering um, way to also release um, energies or re- heal from grief or just uh, empower yourself, talk to your higher self. So I see it as very much like they're very therapeutic, I would say. Awesome. Now, do you have several spirit boards that you use or do you have one favorite? <laughs> well, you know, I have a pretty, pretty big collection. Um, not as big as the rest of the members on the Talking Board Historical mm-hmm. Society. I'm a director and officer there, and there's seven of us. Wow. Um, most of them have hundreds, if not a thousand boards. I have a mere 80, 85 boards, mm-hmm. but I, there's two that I like to use the most. And one is the original circa 1972 board that I got from Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And then another one <laughs> that's from the fifties <laughs> that I bought much later. So yeah, I have two boards I really like using, but I got to tell you, I have my collection in my house. It's, it, I have it on the walls. I have them out. It, it's beautiful artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, each one's different. If you, if you start getting into looking at different types of spirit boards or talking boards, you'll start to realize that there's just a, a, a plethora of types of boards from all different eras. And with different designs and colors and images. And it's just, that to me is brilliant. And plus, people that also love the board and know that I have such a passion about it, they will make me boards. So I get gifted quite a few boards from different artists around the country. Actually, actually, I should say also other countries. um, And I've just been so fortunate. So yeah, I I have the boards and I love the boards and I actually love them all. And I do use all my boards at least (laughs) once or twice. (laughs) Wow. So... As you know, there there is like a little stigma behind the Ouija or the spare boards. Some people don't want anything to do with them. And I wonder, out of your expertise, because you work with them all the time, they're your they're your they're like your tarot cards, basically. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for somebody that comes up and goes, "Well, I'm afraid of these." How do they work? Why do they work? Don't you open portholes? Well, it's interesting you say that. So it, it's mostly will say, oh, I'm not touching them. Like I'll be at conventions or or um, uh, conferences and they'll come by and they'll see my boards or, you know, my books or whatever. And they say, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm scared of those. And, I, and then I just usually say, well, what's that about? And they say, well, I was told not to use them. I said, well, who told you? And it's usually some institution could be religion, it could be a family, it could be a story they heard and they made that decision themselves. And my next question is, if, if they want to continue the conversation, let's put you put it out there, they've got to want to continue the conversation, then I would say, well, what, what, what are you curious about? What is the question you have for me about the boards? And it typically is, as you just said, does it open some type of portal? So this is what I say, and this might be the therapeutic part of me speaking, we give too much of our power over to an inanimate object, such as now they're right now they're cardboard. They used to be wood mm-hmm. or compressed particle boards or masonite, and I have I have all different types. We give too much of our power over to those. It's not the board that does the work; it's our self channeling via the tool, the device, the theatrics of the board that allows it to work. So when I start talking on that level to people, they say. Oh, I said, I bet you anything, if you've had things happening, it's probably because you're sensitive and you're picking up on things maybe you don't understand or you don't know how to put it into context. Because as children, we most of us, many of us, I'll say that, and most people that go to these conventions and conferences where I speak, mm-hmm. they've had some kind of experience they want to explore. 
And it could happen when they were a kid or when they're older, but they find themselves curious. And so it's that curious nature that allows them to start looking at things with a little different um, objectivity. Mm-hmm. So they're not so subjective, subjective to it and saying, oh, it's all fear based. They go, oh, all right. So if I see it as a tool, like you said earlier, no different than tarot right. cards or oracle cards, then maybe there's something to it that I'm part of the equation. Yes, you are. So I was asked one time, I was on a show on Gaia, and I was I was working with George Norrie on his show called Beyond Belief. Mm-hmm. And in between our segments we were filming, he stopped and he looked at me and he said, what's more important, the board of the planchette, which is the indicator that moves around the board? And I said, neither. He goes, what? And I said, no, it's me. I'm the most important part of the equation. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that channels using these tools. So when I start talking to people about it on that level, they are able to, to maybe release the stigma for a little bit and be, at least be open to having a conversation about it. Right. Interesting. Do you, what's, what's been the most unique experience when you use these boards? You know, I've, I've got to tell you, Didi, I've had so many interesting experiences that have been just mm-hmm. mind-blowing amazing and life affirming and actually trajectory changing for me. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you one that I, I wrote in my book, the spirits of Ouija Four decades of communication. Um, at that point, I've been using the board for 40 years. I'm on my 49th year now of using the board. It'll be 50 years next summer. Wow. So I'm almost at the, yeah, I'm almost at the 50 year point. Um, but it was an experience I had in 1986 Uh, with the tool. I've been using the tool for 13 years at that point. I started at the age of eight. Mm -hmm. And so I was using it for 13 years. And and there was um, in college, in my sorority. And I brought this device with me. We were starting to use it, I don't know, for the last year and a half of of my years in in (laughs) undergrad. (laughs) And everybody was like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing, Karen? What are you doing? What is this? This is is stupid. I go, well, all right. So back then, I felt like I wanted to help people shift their perceptions in a way, but I also felt like I had to prove something. I was still, I would, I would call myself a, a younger, uh, inexperienced, immature user. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean right. I didn't have all the years behind me. I only had 13 years. That's not a lot when you come to using this tool and you start learning what you can really do with it. So I can look back on it now and know that. But even then when I was using it, was, I was more quiet about what I was doing unless somebody had a question. And so some of the girls came to me and said, hey, what, what is this thing you're doing? I mean, the Ouija board, what is this? Is this hocus pocus? Is this silly? Are you making this up? Are you pushing it? I said, no, but if you'd like to come witness what this is about, follow me into this room. Okay. And so I had about eight girls in this room with me. I had my partner who, who liked to use the board with me. Her name is Linda. And I had another friend, another sorority sister who used the board with me too. And I said, okay. We're going to sit here and, and use this board. I'm going to show you what we do with it. We're going to speak to whoever's here. At that point, we had developed a few, as I call, gatekeepers or bouncers, different mm-hmm. energies on the other, in the other dimensions who would talk to us regularly. And so I just figured, okay, they'll come through. So I asked um, my other friend, Lindsay, I said, why don't you go ahead and ask me, not Lindsay, um, Diana. I said, why don't you go ahead and be the scribe? Usually I write. And I have one hand on the planchette and I write and I call out the letters. So I said, no, I said, we're going to take it to a new level. I asked my board partner, Linda, mm-hmm. to put a blindfold on. I also put a blindfold on. We were both blindfolded. The girls then picked up the board. We were using a bigger board, the 1950 boards, which at that time I didn't have a 1950s board. It was Linda's. And they put it on her laps. I didn't know which way it was up or down. We couldn't see. Right. We were blindfolded perfectly. 
I told Diana to take the, the pen and paper and to write out each letter, but not to say them out loud. Just write it down when the indicator landed on a letter. So put her fingers on there. Several of the girls are just all sitting around us. And the thing starts moving. The, the indicator, the planchette moves. We uh -huh. follow it. Picks up a pace. It goes super, super fast. It starts moving. It was hard to even keep our fingers on the planchette. <laughs> it was crazy. And then all of a sudden it comes to a stop. But it went, this went on for probably about five to eight minutes. So it, when it stopped, we're like, oh, my God. Okay, take the blindfolds off. And I, heard, one of the girls in the room was crying. I said, are you okay? She's like, yeah, yeah. No, please read the message. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. she must know what this message says. So I asked Diana, who was the scribe, I said, please read the message. And I'm going to tell it to you in a gist. I don't have my book in front of me. But this, this story in more detail is written in that book because it was a turning point for me. It was probably the most amazing experience up to that point I ever had with the board. And it really taught me a lesson. So she reads the message, and this is what it's basically said in the gist. Uh -huh. Hello, Lindsay. I'm your sister. Know that I love you. Know that I love mom and dad. Please let them know that I love them. My boyfriend is here as well. Know that we died on impact. We do not feel any pain. The only pain we feel is the pain that you expressed and you still carry with you from our funerals. We want to tell you that we're with you. We're very much alive. We'll be with you again. Tell mom and dad I love them. I love you. Wow. The girl, I know. The girl, Lindsay, was sitting there crying at this point, sobbing, deep, gut-riching, crying. And all of us started crying too. And at that point, I said, all right, there's something to be said here. No more fun and games. There's something, this tool is a device to be used for grander purposes. Not that we weren't using it that way, mm -hmm. but I saw in that moment how this woman, this young, this young woman had been carrying around the grief um, of her sister's death. Now, listen, nobody in the room knew she had a sister that died except for one other person in the room. Wow. The rest of us were flabbergasted. She told us the story of her sister and her, and her sister boyfriend being killed in a car wreck when their car stopped and the car got hit. It ran over them and they died, and as, they, as, as her sister said, on impact. So I knew this gal, didn't know about her dead sister, that it just they're not, they're not dead. They want me to correct that right now. The transition sister. And she did tell her parents. Her parents said, thank you so much. They believed it. And there was such incredible healing in that moment in that room that it was just amazing. And, and we all got silent and sat there almost like in reverence. Mm -hmm. And people left that room. It changed in some form or fashion. Some of the girls never talked about it again. One of the girls reached out to me, and she's actually wrote a little section in the back of, the, of that book, I, The Spirits of Ouija, about her experiences with the board. Didn't know what she was going to write about. She wrote about that experience and how that changed her, the way she thought about religion, the way she thought about mm -hmm. death, the way she thought gave her more empowerment in her life. Um, and a few other people had also written to me as well. But it's, I saw the change it affected just this message alone, and we were blindfolded mm -hmm. doing it. To add that component to it, when people out there will tell you, science will try to tell you, if you're yeah. blindfolded, it doesn't work. I'm here to say it did work for us on that moment in that day. And that's because if spirit has a message to give, it's going to give it in any way that it's possible for it to come through. And in that moment, her sister needed to communicate with her from the other dimensions and to let her know she was okay. And it just so happened that I had that tool there and we were channeling. It wasn't the board that did it. It was our channeling abilities Linda's right. and my ability together to bring forth that message. So it was a profound, profound time wow. for sure. So it kind of changed your course in life 
a little bit, oh, didn't it? Oh, 100%. It's it's like I not that I wasn't believing in the unseen dimensions. It just solidified it that much more, and mm-hmm. I could see how it could really affect people and help them out. Whether it was just gaining some insight that day to wow, the the the, the um, transition, the disease still live on, or if it was somebody to get relief or, or from the grief they've been carrying around, or somebody just to explore something beyond what we're being told that's possible. Mm-hmm. And for us to be blindfolded and do this. It was like, wow. I mean, I, I knew it worked. For some reason, I just knew it would work, and I, I just felt the urge to do that in that moment. Um, it was just – it was a powerful, powerful moment, like I said, and it did. Right. It really made me think this through on a grander scale of using this tool. Oh, of course. And my other – you know, you hear so many stories, and there's so many horror movies, and there's so many people that talk about Zozo, mm-hmm. which – always cracked me up even as a kid the zozo thing explain or tell my audience zozo why does everybody supposedly get zozo well okay so this is okay so there's a couple things i want to share with you first of all i know Mm -hmm. darren evans um he's a colleague of mine who started the whole zozo thing and he says it goes way back in research times which you know led zeppelin has zozo and there's a few things references Okay, but there's nothing demonic, evil about it, anything, unless you you put the, that you ascribe that kind of meaning to it. So he also wrote a movie that's uh, produced a movie that's out there called this. I think it's just called Zozo or something. But um, you know, he has he has some uh, what would you say some shirt in it, some game in it, you know, to make yeah, money. Sure. Or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so on that level, let me say another thing about Zozo. There's a thing when you use this tool, and if you look at a typical Ouija board. And I'm not talking about the ones that are round. I'm talking about the the rectangular ones. You have A through N on the top arch, the bottom arch, excuse me, A A through M. And the bottom arch is N through Z. Then you have the numbers beneath that. When you first start with this tool, when you put your hands on your planchette, it's very common, not all the time, but but I would say probably eight times out of ten, it's going to go back and forth over the letters. Once you can let go of it and allow it to pull itself and you just follow the pulling movement of the energies mm-hmm. that you're channeling, it does this thing. And I know, um, I think Darren called it the rainbow effect. I've seen that on some TV shows and stuff. I never called it that, but I think that's fine. And that's good enough because it's an arc it makes. Right. And it's because you're going to one side of the board where there's a there's an O and a Y. You got two vowels. Uh, the other, excuse me, uh, um, you got consonants on one side of the board, board uh, other than the Y. So you got M over there. You've got L's and K's and Z's. On the other side, you've got A's and O's. Right. So it'll go ma ma za za la la lo lo zo zo oz oz. You see, and yeah. that's because that's where the vowels. And so you start getting that. The next thing you go, well, I've heard this tall tale on the Internet. Oh, my God, it's spelling mama. I got Lala. I got Zozo. <laughs> what does that mean? And so I think what happens is when we start using a tool, a device that was marketed as a game originally, I can get into more of the history in a moment, but that came out of the market was never packaged with instructions other than simple things on the back of the box, such right. as. Sit with a male, female, preferably across from your partner. Um, ask direct questions. Don't ask too many. One person asks the questions. Wipe the board off with a soft box, soft cloth, things like that. There was really didn't explain how it works. Because does anybody really know how it works? <laughs> I mean, it didn't have, didn't come with instructions. Right. So it's something mysterious that we think. Oh, you're talking to the dead. 
um, that you go, you start creating your own mythology around it. Mm -hmm. And so people create these lores and tall tales and mythologies. And whether or not you heard a thump, oh my God, there was a board in the house, wasn't there? That was a demon. So it becomes Mm -hmm. this thing because you can't explain how this tool works. I mean, it's so mysterious in nature. It's ominous in a way. It's got the sun, the moon, these alchemical characters on there or symbolism on there from originally the old ones. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them aren't. Some of them are angel boards. But we create our own mythology, and we call those, my my colleague Gene Orlando coined this word, we-justitions, like superstitions, but they're called Mm -hmm. we-justitions. We create our own we-justitions around this board because we don't, we can't explain it. It's mysterious. It's enigmatic. So when we do that, we start creating these tall tales. Social media is great with them. They run with them. The next thing you know, people right. are starting to have these experiences. It's almost like mass uh, hypnosis is sure. what I'm going to call it. So you want to have these experiences. And a lot of people at sleepovers, younger kids, want to have that. And they want to reach out to me and say, oh, my God, I got Zozo. And they, want, they expect me to go, oh, my God, quick, burn your board. I go, well, how do you know how do you know it wasn't called Ozoz or Bozo? I mean, come on. So I think of Bozo the clown from the seventies, <laughs> and I, I've lost them because they're probably only twenty years old. But but I, I I make light of it in a way, but I take it seriously. Everybody's experiences, but because we get so serious with ourselves with this sometimes, and and I think really to get the best results of this tool, a little a, a little levity mm-hmm. um, it helps, and also you know not thinking everything is exactly what it is as it comes sure. to the board. You know, it's taking your time with this tool. When you develop any new tool or learning, like any new sport, let's say golf, because I try to golf, mm-hmm. um, and I say it loosely because I've taken thousands of dollars of lessons, and I still say I try to golf. <laughs> it takes a long time to develop the skills. Right. Same with using this tool. So it's like you can't rely on all the stuff you get. If it's spelled Zozo, it doesn't mean, oh, my God, a demon's here, <clears throat> which is what everybody wants you to believe. That's what right. it means, to scare themselves. It just means – you participated in the rainbow effect, which is what Darren Evans would call it. You participated in the planchet moving back and forth, and great and good for you. Got you got movement, but if you right. sit with it long enough, you'll get beyond these uh, initiatory stages or these uh, initial ways the planchet tends to move, and mm-hmm. you'll start getting amazing, amazing messages from from either your higher self or spirit guides. Right. What year did the Ouija come out? Are the spirit boards? Yeah, so that's that's fascinating because everybody looks to Ouija board as the original spirit board, and it, and it wasn't. Right. So it's interesting what happened. It was in the it, so in 1848. Let me start here. In 1848, uh, the spiritualist movement kicked off the United States, up upper state New York, with three sisters. Actually, it's two sisters who, who hear rappings and knockings at night, and it, they they could spell out words and stuff. And that that was the whole beginning of rappings and knockings and getting communication from the unseen dimensions. Mm-hmm. They thought from the deceased. So the spiritualist camp, uh, in their in their uh, possession, they were trying to develop all different kinds of ways besides rapping and knockings, which took forever to spell out a, a word. They still were developing devices and tools, automatic writing, just a planchette writer or. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, alphabet cards or devices that pointed to things and just interesting contraptions. And they were trying to find ways to make this communication easier. And so in 1886, we saw the first uh, movement in a spiritualist camp that taught in Ohio, to be exact, who mm. talked about this, this way of using cutting boards, tabletops, 
with the alphabet and numbers on it. Mm-hmm. And then some kind of like basket turned upside down or even pair an automatic writer with it that would spell out messages. And we know this is a fact because um, it went viral in like the Boston Globe. Back in the day when things went viral, you would you write an article or write a letter and send it in to the to some kind of news journal, um, paper or something of that nature, and they would print it. And they said, oh, mysterious craze is overtaking the state of Ohio. People are getting messages from the unknown, the, the dead, through these curious tables and devices. Well, several businessmen and one woman got together in 1890 and decided to ride this wave of this takeoff movement of this board with this device that would spell out things mysteriously. And that is when they they developed the board that became known today as the Ouija board. Now, got to share this. Not all boards are Ouija boards. Now, did you know that, Didi? No, I didn't. Okay. So why are all boards not Ouija boards? Because Ouija is a patented trademark name. Oh, that would make sense. There you go. Hasbro owns the patent now, but they also license it to other companies to use it. So therefore, you'll see all different types of Ouija boards out there. Even back in the day, it was actually licensed up to Canada, uh, over to um, the UK. But it's Ouija is is actually a name of a of a product like Kleenex. We we call all tissues Kleenex. Well, yeah. they're not. It's like calling all spirit boards. Uh, Ouija boards are not. They're actually called the umbrella name is either talking boards or spirit boards. And then Ouija is a specific type of board. But it's the one that took off and everybody knows this day. Right. And here's an interesting fact. You'll love this. So the William Fold family eventually had it. They had it the longest. And in 1966, they sold it to Parker Brothers. One year after it, it hit Parker Brothers markets, it outsold its most popular selling game of the day, which was Monopoly. It sold 2 million copies, outsold wow. Monopoly in 1967. That is to give you perspective of how popular this tool, this device, this game became. And that's that's why you'll you start seeing it an explosion in all these different movies and shows and even old movies and 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 then you know based on books and all kinds of things, and then eventually it does hit into social media. And mm-hmm. so that's that's it was the Ouija that really made the biggest splash, if you will. Now you noticed I called it a game, and that's right. only because that's how it's marketed and trademarked. I don't think it's a game. No, <laughs> I think it's, so much, it's a device. I don't think tarot cards and are games either. I don't mean that harshly or say they're negative. I'm just saying everything that you use when you start working these other realms becomes a tool. A device or a tool. I'm neutral to it. That's what I am. Mm-hmm. I'm neutral to it, but I've learned how to use it over the years in, in such profound ways. Right. That's fascinating. Now, I know that there are round board, round spirit boards. Sure are. So is there any difference in a round spirit board than the one that you always see? Well, people started developing, well, the psychic circle, I remember when that came out, that was a round board. And mm-hmm. I really like that board. The only thing I don't like about it, it has a crease in the middle of it. When you open it, it folds up and it has a crease. And I hate that crease in it. Right. But um, you'll see, people make round boards. I've had, I've been gifted two round boards. Let me see, two. And then I have some other odd shaped boards um, that have been gifted to me as well. I, I actually appreciate all different sizes and shapes of boards. A round board can be cool though, if you have a small enough round board then you could use it with your pendulum as well, with a yes yeah. and no, that kind of thing, or even letters. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I use a pendulum too, but I prefer the board because the board is is really it spells out messages just so succinctly for me where a pendulum I can't rely on as well as I can when I use the board. Cause again, it's my channeling abilities. I perfected that so well with my own, with my tools, but yeah, you can use round boards. Um, it just it really depends upon personal preference. Um, there's Zeria board was a marketed board back in the sixties. Mm-hmm. That was a round board. There's been quite a few round boards throughout the years. I do think it's that rectangle shape, the Ouija board shape that really took off and has been right. the most popular because it seems like it's a lot easier to get to the letters when they're closer to each other than when you have to go around a whole circle to get to them. Gotcha. And that's from, that's from experience of using this tool. The other question is, and I know audiences will, you know, my audience would want to know this. Have you ever had a a very strange experience using your spirit board? Oh, yeah. Yes, I have. I'm not (laughs) sure where to go with this. I think the blindfold one was kind of strange and very cool. Yeah, right. Okay, so uh, we can go down some rabbit holes. But but yes, I have. So what happened for me was there was it was in 1989. I just graduated from graduate school. I had accepted a job in Texas. I met some friends of mine who were also starting out in their career in their 20s. And they were like, fascinated with the fact that I was a therapist and I was also using a Ouija board on the side in my private time. Um, And I kept that really quiet because I was working on my license at the time and I definitely didn't want to intermix the two. I would have been seen as a quack. So I I was very compartmentalized with this work, but they were very curious. um, Like, what is it you're doing? Let's experiment. I said, well, I'll tell you what I want to do. And they agreed to this. So for a period of four years, we decided to really, when we got on the board to really work with tapping into our higher self. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say the higher self, I'm talking about, let me give you a definition here because I want to make sure the audience understands what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that part of you that exists within your corporeal, your physical body, mm-hmm. but extends beyond it. It's that soul part of you that extends all the way back to the divine, out to the universe. And, and it is, we want to call it source God, all that is that flows through you. Mm-hmm. It's that greater presence of yourself. Okay. It's a very union psychological term. Mm-hmm. You can call it your greatest self, inner self, but I like to say higher self. So and they, they understood this definition. So we decided to do that. And so, so some strange and peculiar things started happening in this process of communicating with our higher selves. Yes, we made contact and we were getting all kinds of incredible advice from, from ourselves and from each other's selves and to each other's selves. It was really like group therapy, three people and three higher selves, six, mm-hmm. six energies in the room. It was fascinating, very fascinating. But in the process of doing this, we st- without even consciously saying, oh, I want to bring in this energy, which I do now. I just dial up the frequency, call them in through my intentions. Back then, it was just all of a sudden, the angels, the angelic realm mm-hmm. started coming through. I'm like, what's this? Okay, I believe in angels. So it was like this process of... of um, Evolution in a way, if you will, but also an experience of when you start plugging into as the guides who I talked to, I haven't brought that up yet. The guides are my spirit guides I work with now ever since 94, um, and they work off the board with me too. But what they say is when you start tapping into your higher self, it's like you plug into the outlet of your higher self. When you Mm -hmm. make that connection, it's like then all of a sudden you start opening up all your abilities. Claire senses your your psychic abilities, mediumship abilities, all these channeling abilities, um, your your gut instincts, your empathic intuitive abilities. They start developing further and further, and in that process, you open yourself to a wider a vision of the unseen dimensions, where you can start connecting with other beings that are there. And we always did this in such a positive light. 
without knowing what we were really doing, that we only brought in these positive energies. Right. So then we started meeting the angels and, and then extraterrestrials started coming through. I mean, it was weird. <laughs> It's like 1990 and I'm bringing the extraterrestrials in. And, and, and by the way, the social media wasn't even out there yet. Right. I think dial-up AOL was a new thing. They had some chat rooms, but it was not used. I, I think in 90s when I kind of I got my first computer at 89, maybe 90, I started getting on this, some of those rooms. But, I, but this was not out there. And I was hearing about stuff now you hear on ancient aliens. I was getting it back then. Right, right. <laughs> I was getting it back in 1990. <laughs> so there were some strange experiences like that. And and the the continuum of that just led me into all these other sentient beings that I could be in communion and communication with uh-huh. and receive responses from them. And I don't know if it gets much stranger than that, but it, it, it when I'm saying you guys, when I'm, when I'm saying I start reaching into other sentient beings, we're talking many types of sentient beings. It, it blows my mind. In fact, I'm in awe. Every time I sit down at this tool and use it, I am in awe of how this could be, I call it my cosmic phone. Oh yeah. Where I dial up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I dial up awesome. the frequency through my intentions. It, it is. It, I'm dialing. I'm, it's like I'm talking with you right now via mm-hmm. a phone, the wavelengths. This is my. It's my cosmic wireless phone. Wow. It's really amazing. And but it's old school. You know, right, it's not modern sure. school. Yeah. But but that in itself and the progression of the different types of sentient beings I've been in communication with and I'm continuing to be in communication with is strange mm-hmm. and cool. And amazing, and just like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. So, do any of these that come through, does any one particular one stick in your head the most that, oh, yeah. that you're fond of? Oh, my favorite, by, by all means, are the guides. And the guides came to me, it was in 1994. I, we were already in communication with some, with some ethereal spiritual beings who had never been in a physical body. These are light oh, beings. Yeah. And we started calling this one light being my, my partner at the time, the big one. We didn't know what to, they don't have a name. See, a lot of these beings do not have names, you guys. He'll go, what's my guide's name? I go, well, it depends. I mean, they may give you a name and often I would say nine times out of 10, they're not going to give you a name because they don't have names or they moved on to a level where they don't need names. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. So the, we just named the one, the big one, because the energy was powerful. When it came to <laughs> I it. love so, that. The big one. <laughs> we call it the big one. Yeah. And I, it's, I talk about that in my book, The Spirits, the Spirits of Ouija, Four Decades of Communication, because it's really about an odyssey and how to use the board and how, what to do and, not, and all the stuff that I'm sharing. But um, the big one, so we called it in the big one. The big one said, okay, this is my last uh, trans, transmission with you. We're going to introduce you to now to the energies that will come through that will be with you, Karen throughout the rest of your life. They've always been here, but then waiting for you to get to this point. And it was mm-hmm. had to do with me tapping into my higher self, me working with changing my energy frequency, me doing a lot of self-healing, my own work on myself, also mm-hmm. being a therapist. I was always doing my, you know, studying, uh, going to classes and also doing my own therapy. Right. It was really cleaning out the residue in my life and looking at things and being more honest, looking at my shadow self. That brought me to this level of... Um, Connecting with these ethereal beings, which are an extension of source wisdom, I like to call them. We all are extension of source. We just forgot it. But Mm -hmm. they have never been in a body. They're pure light. I could never see them with the apparatus that my body has given me. But I can Mm -hmm. hear them and I can feel them. Um, but seeing them is like I have to visualize it in my mind, but they just appear as a bright light. That's all I that's all I get from them. But they entered, entered into my life in 1994, and they had no name. <laughs> Do you like this, right. Didi? 
so I'm on my old uh, 19, circa 1972 board. And in the corners, we have the moon in the right corner and the sun in the left corner. Mm-hmm. One of them entered from the moon. The planchet went up there, moved in and introduced itself. Then the planchet went up to the sun, stopped there, introduced itself, came in. And so I just started calling it the sun and the moon because mm-hmm. there was no names. And I felt like there was two. But once I, I moved and I worked for years calling them the sun and the moon probably a good 15, 20 years. Right. But it was like, it was probably in the last 10 years that I realized there was a, a collective group of beings. They didn't tell me that. They wanted me to find that out myself. Once I let go of them even having a name, all these other beings that worked with them came forward. So now it's almost like my pantheon of collective energies I work with, but I just simply call them the guides now. The guides. The guides. They come through and they give beautiful messages um, that, that are that are timeless mm-hmm. and that are here to help humanity and help people empower themselves. And when I do my readings, I do readings. I work on a, a psychic hotline um, for fun, and I also do readings through my website. And when I do my readings, the guides always come through and they channel through me and they they provide their messages and I just share mm-hmm. them. Um, so it, it's now. What I've learned using this tool, it took me 39 years of using the tool before I started working off the board and also working with the board myself. And now I'm at 49 years and the guides work with me directly. I can hear them. I, they're, they're here right now. They're reminding me of some things to tell you guys. Um, <laughs> but it's but I try to help people to really – here it is, Didi. This is what I try to help people do. It's not go out, uh-huh. get a Ouija board, do a Ouija board. Right. If you want to, I'll teach you. I'll show you. I'll help you. Um, but I, it's more about – how can you make these connections yourself in your own way that works for you? Right. So I do a lot of work with people off the board to make these connections too, because I work that way as well. I just happen to love this tool. I'm I'm old school in that sense, and this tool has been with me since the age of eight, and right. it's just it has a special place in my heart. So um, yeah, I, I, I think I, I always want to use it. I always want to use this tool. Yeah. Now, out of curiosity, anyone. That hears my show knows I'm a big animal person. Oh, me too. I have like, of course, I have my Maggie. She's my yellow-headed Amazon that often you'll hear her in my show saying that she loves whoever is on. <laughs> it can Aww. happen at any moment. And then my podcast, Pekingese, which sits by me when I podcast. And then I have another dog named Gryffindor and a cat named Pixel and a cockatiel as well. Oh my gosh, you got an animal farm over there. I do. And we're getting ready to rescue another cat. You know, I'm I'm a big animal. I mean, mm. if, if I'm walking down the street and an animal sees me, I'm doomed, usually. <laughs> <laughs> I either have to find them a home or they move in. So but I hear you. Do animals come through? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you ask me my okay, my favorite beings of all time are the guides. But mm-hmm. if you ask me who I just think is the most precious to communicate with, I would tell you it's the animals. Now, right. here's an interesting story. It was 1996, January 26, 1996 to be exact. Uh, uh-huh. All right. So at this point, we already met the angels. Uh, I was working with my angel all the time. I'd already met the big one, the guides. I met some ETs. And now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I think this day we were talking to my angel, if I'm correct. It was my angel, Mary Angel, I call her. And she said, through the board, you guys, I was with my partner, and this is spelling it out, and the message was, you're not going to believe this, Karen. I said, I'm like, okay, what am I not going to believe? She goes, you're not going to ever believe who wants to talk to you now. I said, bring them on. I'm talking to everybody <laughs> right now. It's no big deal. I've been doing this for many years at this point. She said, no, this is different. 
So my partner and I kept our fingers on the planchette. Mm-hmm. It slows down, goes a new direction, and it spells out, Hermes cat, I love you. Now, <laughs> I had a big fat pumpkin cat, a big orange tabby, sitting there in the chair, very much alive, mm-hmm. not transitioned, looking at us maybe five feet away. And I said, what? She goes, yes. The angel said, yes. Your cat wants you to know that he loves you and he can communicate with you. And I said, well, yeah, I feel him. She goes, no. He knows he, he's smart enough to use his tool. I go, well, how does that work? He goes, meow, meow. She said, no. It's like he put, gives us images. He gives us words. Mm-hmm. We interpret his energy and we put it into words for him. And we help with the planchette to move it. It's not the cat's moving it through his energy field. It's the whoever's interpreting uh, so I have interpreters now on the other side for animals that come mm-hmm. through all the time. And it's brilliant. They bring through such incredible messages. Um, my cat at that time, I think I believe he was eight or nine years old. And um, he just said that message. And then I started talking to my other cat in the house. And then um, I started talking to people's pets all the time. And then it just grew from there. And I could talk to wild animals and all kinds of animals. And I talked to my cat that's very much sitting right next to me right now, bear. People that follow me know about my stories with my animals. Mm-hmm. Um, I can talk to my animals that are that have transitioned um, and or who are alive. The thing with this, it's like when you talk to your higher self, that's that's you. You're alive. You're talking to yourself. So there's no difference in talking to the animal's higher self or the animal's energy. It's like anything that's sentient, you could start communicating with it. And by the way, our indigenous people knew this around the world, knew they could talk to plants, to trees, to rocks, to Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. to the animals exactly, and it yeah. wasn't so much like yeah what we're gonna do a Ouija board they were what they were doing was they're feeling the consciousness and and then let it move through their bodies to interpret that sensation you know yeah. and that's not like what happens here at the tool it just gets interpreted into words um, but you can also get sensations so many of you who are listening as dd shared you love the animals they come to you um, and you know, you go, well, I just know this is what this cat needs. I just know this is what the dog wants or, or I'm feeling, let me go get that, you know, treat for them. And it's like, all of a sudden you just, you get these messages in your mind, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, and you yeah. may not be subconscious of them, but they're there. And that's what happens too with this tool. Um, it just, what happens though, it becomes more of a, a, a demonstrative show. Clyde Lewis like, likes to call it theatrics. It becomes <laughs> the theatrics, the way you display the communication. But yes, the animals are so lovely to communicate with. And I have a whole section on talking to the animals in that book I was talking about earlier. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's, 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 it's beautiful. It just brings me such um, tears of joy and it just touches my heart. Oh, They're so lovely. You know, animals are just, I don't know, ever since I was little, I could feel animals and it's so funny my parrot that I always bring up on my show Maggie it was love at first sight literally oh like she was 20 23 when I got her and and I got her and I looked across from I went to get a cage at a bird show for my cockatiel <clears throat> looked across the room and she put her she battered her eyelashes and I was like my bird and it was like <laughs> a straight beeline for this animal. And I was like, I I can't take this bird home. I'm going to be in trouble. I know I'm in trouble. So I bid on her. God ended up with her. I didn't think I got her, but I ended up with her and I won the raffle. So I got a free cage, free food. It was meant to be. Yeah, My girlfriend packed up her car, brought her back to Indiana. And my husband was mad. (laughs) (laughs) 
how dare you bring this home, you know? And and then he comes upstairs and he looks at her. He goes, oh, you're so pretty and your mommy's so <laughs> dumb. And I just think you're so pretty. And they just adore each other. But, you know, oh. you just know, like, you just know who your animals are. You do, you do. And and it's it's even that much sweeter to know and that you can communicate with them on this level because it's more like we humans want to spell things out and read it and yeah. all that. But it's the same thing that's going on there. So we can do this without the board. I just kind of like the theatrics and, and how it comes through and, sure. and the messages yeah. I get. It's it's you know, that's why I like using the board. It's so tangible. Yeah. It's yes, I can feel the trees and the plants and I can feel my cats and, and other people's animals and, and plant and plants and all that stuff. But it's like I it's so rewarding to feel that pull of the planchette and the messages to come through. And, you know, they're like, wow, that's so profound or that's 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 enticing or that's insightful or that's oh, that's so sweet. It's those messages you get from these different beings that just blows me away. And it's just amazing that we really can tap into the consciousness of all these beings. And I think it's it's incredible that you're so passionate about it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, I wouldn't trade this for the world. I mean, I wouldn't ever denounce uh, the, the Ouija board as a, as a wonderful tool uh, because it's been nothing but that for me. Now, I will say this. I used it in a vacuum. So here I am in the 70s using it, the 80s. Uh, mm-hmm. Moving into the 90s, and it wasn't all that social media and all the crap that you, right. you see out there. So I grew up using this without fear. My family didn't have a fear about it. I mean, I was a practicing Catholic. Um, I got my board on Christmas Christmas Day, and I went mm-hmm. to church later and came home and used the Ouija board. You know, it was like that was so normal. Yeah, and yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't shame for it. It wasn't like bad. It was just like okay. I, I, truthfully, I don't think my parents th- thought anything was going on. They've told me that to this day. I, I thought you were just messing around, Karen, and pretending. They said, "Well, now we realize you aren't." <laughs> you know? I said, "Well." And they said, well, we, we probably wouldn't have allowed that because they didn't understand it. They were a little afraid of it. Now there's no fear. And anybody in my family, all my, my siblings and their families, it's just like a, such a normal – it's so normal for Aunt Karen or right. daughter Karen or sister Karen to be using this tool because it's just such a, been such a part of my life. And the messages I get is just they're, – they're wonderful, wonderful, helpful. It's so, fu- it's so funny that you said you grew up Catholic because my mom was very Catholic, but she came home and used the Ouija board. <laughs> so, so, you know, we got to, I got to hear a little bit about this. What, do you know what year that was? Because I'd love to know what board she had. Well, it was, it was in the seventies. So do you know if she got her board in the sixties or seventies? Seventies. Yeah. Okay. She probably has a certain, the same one I have. That's the smaller 1972 Circa one. Um, so if if she got it in the if she got it in the um yeah it was the early seventies when that board yeah. came out so it came out seventy two so cool we have the same board or you don't have yours anymore do no, you no I don't but you know she loved her board um, mm-hmm. and you know usually twice a week she would use it she was wow. really big into all of that stuff she took classes like I like I told you earlier Edward Casey was big in my house oh yeah he was huge Course of Miracles. Um, Seth, um, what else? Oh, she took all kinds, and she brought me to all kinds of classes when I was a kid. Lucky you. You, yeah. you know, um, Jane Roberts, who channeled Seth, she got started on the Ouija board. Yeah. She met Seth on the Ouija board, but they only used it for three months, and then he told her to go into do automatic writing and then go into trance, where Seth came through. But, but they started with the Ouija board, too. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know who Seth was. 
Oh, should we talk about Seth a little bit? Because Seth, I got to tell you, Seth, is, I was reading the books too in the 70s and 80s and 90s. It was very profound in my own beliefs about spirituality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, she liked Seth. She liked, like I said, Edgar Casey. She even liked um, The Diary of a Witch by Sybil Oh, Week, yeah. Mm-hmm. In which I That's have a right. really rare copy from a friend who left it to me. But, oh, wow. Yeah, and it's paperback, but it, it's worth, I mean, in my heart, it's worth much more than they say on the internet because it just was left to me. But she loved oh, that stuff. And, oh, don't forget, Chariots of the Gods. <laughs> oh, that's where it all started, right? The whole yes. idea that we could be coming from, like, uh, Von Donegan and his book. I mean, you, <laughs> just this belief that we came from, you know, the ancient aliens, right? Yeah, exactly. So we had that book in our house, too. And it was my mom's, and she was showing it to me. And that was back in the 70s, right? Late 60s, mm-hmm. I think, early 70s. And showing it to me. And I started reading that book when I was, like, 8 or 9 or 10. I was like, well, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, really young, I was reading that stuff too. So I was around it as well. Um, I was doing the journey mostly by myself, but it's it's really interesting to hear that your mom was doing this journey and kind yeah. of dr- brought you into it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, and speaking of Edgar Casey, you know, uh, Edgar Casey, and by the way, if people are listening, do look up Jane Roberts and Seth material. That's really oh, yeah. the blueprint for the new age movement of you create your own reality and the Edgar Casey ARE foundation. This is the sleeping prophet who was, who came forward mm-hmm. and gave you information from the Kashik records and health and healing stuff. Great information. I studied Edgar Casey too, back in the eighties when I was in cra- college and graduate school and did some experiments with that and went to some of the courses. And I found it very much a part of my process of readying and preparing myself to do more advanced Ouija work that I was talking about earlier mm-hmm. with the higher self. I was doing a lot of Edgar Casey work and Seth work before I was doing a lot of this advanced work that I was mentioning to you. Oh yeah. Good uh, stuff. I can remember when we were 13, she took us to Virginia beach to the foundation. You went to the ARE? Yeah. Oh when gosh. I was 13. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh my God. Yep. Dang, dang. That's that's really quite an experience. Um, I've driven by, I've been in the vicinity of it, but never gone to it. I was younger at the time, too. Um, I would love to go back. But yeah, you guys, that's a really cool foundation. Oh, yeah, um, that's awesome. They have yeah, like, this is good stuff. I think they expanded even from, that was way back. That was way back. <clears throat> that was when his son was, was, one of his sons was running it. I'm not sure how it, it's working now, but mm-hmm. I have uh, some people that I've worked with before with the Ouija board, they're taking classes there. So it's it's up and alive and running. Yeah. And it's definitely, you could do stuff online, but it's definitely worth looking into. If you're interested in, in like even learning about past lives or developing your own abilities and intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so many skills to be learned from that. And I, I have to say, a lot of my development, again, on the board was, based upon these two great people yeah. we're talking about, Jane Roberts, Seth work, and then Edgar Casey's work really helped me a lot to develop and open myself up. That's really cool. Work. That's mm-hmm. so cool because, you know, even people like my age, when I say Edgar Casey, they're like, what? <laughs> it's like, you really yeah. need to read some of those books. Like I have like five of them mm-hmm. that my mom left me. And I'm like, you really need to just read something about him. Yeah, I agree. It's profound. I mean, he's a sleeping prophet, almost like the modern day Nostradamus. Yeah. So that's how profound he is. And so if you have you heard about Nostradamus, as I'm telling people that are listening, um, this is like the modern day one. So yeah. it's, it's 
Yeah, I think anything you could just you just dive into it on the internet, do some research into it. But if you're interested in this kind of stuff we're talking about tonight, that this is great. That's a great place to start. Oh, definitely. And and I think people don't realize too, like you said, social media and horror movies. You got to kind of separate this kind of stuff from horror movies. You really do. And well, yeah, I, I love scary. Board. You know, I love scary <laughs> movies, but. I don't associate them with metaphysics or even really the paranormal, you know? Right. You know, those are two separate things, two, you know, maybe some of it intertwines or something, but you got to really look at the big picture sometimes, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, it's so funny you bring that up because when I first came out, I didn't come out in the public that I was doing the Ouija board until 2012. So I've only been really been out, it's actually 10 years right now, that during the fall, and that's because I also was was a uh, I have a, a, a business uh, in the wireless industry and I'm a consultant and I have a, kind of a big footprint in Los Angeles area in California for what I do and mm-hmm. I was always thinking they're not going to take me seriously for this work if they hear I'm going oh this is doing the Ouija board you know <laughs> I thought well how would, how would that come across well I got to a certain place in my life where I thought you know what. Um, I can compartmentalize. I won't bring it up at work. I can switch my hats, which I've always done as a therapist and other things I've done. I said, but if they want to Google me and find that out, because you Google my name, Karen A. Dahlman, you're going to see uh, Karen Dahlman and Ouija. You know, you're going to see right. that everywhere. And I, and I just got to a point where I said, you know what? I'm good at what I do. I don't care what, what they think about me because professionally, I've already proved it to myself and to others. And so I love being at that place in my life where I don't have to worry about the stigma and the stereotype and all that stuff that falls along with it. But what's interesting, when I came out into this industry, immediately I was ushered into the paranormal community. And I'm like, paranormal? <laughs> I go, I thought I thought I was spiritual and supernatural and metaphysical just beyond the physics. You know, I was doing something that was natural to me. And you and I were talking about this earlier. And I was like, paranormal? That sounds weird. This is like silly ghost mm-hmm. stories and movies on TV and channel and, and shows. And I thought, that's not what I do. But I found out that the paranormal to them was really just, you know, paranormal investigating, going for ghosts in a haunted place. Right. And I'm able to bring a whole other aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be that, guys, but could it be something else like your higher self you're communicating with? Could it be you're talking to some other interdimensional being or could it be like a vortex that's there or could it be, you know, all these different things? And the board has taught me that. So when you see me speak at these conferences, I'm talking about something very different right. from what we were talking about. And not that that's good or bad. It's just it's neither. It's just saying I bring a whole nother level or a whole nother aspect to the whole paranormal community because I'm not just, oh, I'm going to go find a ghost with my Ouija board. It's right, so much right. more than that. So much more than that. Yeah. So I love it because I don't think I'm paranormal either. I think it's just like we were saying earlier, this is just normal. I was this way for for like almost well, 49 and a half years now. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so funny that you say that because when I, when I first listened to my first podcast, like I told you earlier, it was Jim Harold, like had a hey. huge influence on me. I love him. But yes, when he comes on, he's like, the paranormal just isn't about ghosts, although he loves ghosts. It, it's about so much more cryptids, yes. UFOs, things we we want to understand. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, when people say paranormal to me, I think of things you want to understand. And I think it's good that to no- have a broader nature. definition because it just yeah. means para outside of what's normal, what we've been told and taught. And it's really just exploring and discovering and interacting and experiencing and opening up our, our minds, our hearts to yeah. into the space. 
So it, it's nice that you said it. it's a wider definition than what we might think. We just hear the word paranormal from social media or something like that. Right. It's so much wider. And yeah, Jim does a great job of that with the guests he brings on and his experience talking about and all that. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. So I, I was like real impressed by that. And like the more I talk to people like you, for example, the more I'm learning also. I think we're all always learning. And this is yeah. another reason why I love going on these shows or having people on my show too, is because you get to hear their experience of how they deal with or work with or navigate. I like to use that word, navigate the yeah. unseen dimensions. Instead of calling it, oh, it's the, it's the afterlife. I like to call it the unseen dimensions because we don't really know all that it is. Exactly. Although I know I'm talking to people that are in the quote unquote afterlife, but I'm also talking to beings that live in other dimensions and other planets and other galaxies and, and a, a cat that's alive sitting next to me will talk to me on the board probably later later tonight. It's mm-hmm. that kind of thing, you know. There's so much we don't know and I'm just so excited to have the opportunity to explore it, discover it with other people of like-minded right. energy who is who are open to that. So we're always learning. Nobody has the answer and nobody really is an expert. We all are just kind yeah. of I keep growing with this tool. I keep growing with the the dimensions that I'm working with. It, it, I, it never ceases to amaze me. I'm telling you, I'm always amazed. And and sometimes it even seems stranger when I talk about it with some people they're like, "Huh?" And they go, wow. <laughs> and I got to tell you, this is the funniest thing, Didi. I'll be at some conference and somebody will come up to me and go, they'll say, oh, I don't know about this tool. And I say, well, let's pull the tool out of it. Let's pull the Ouija board out of it. Have you ever had experience? Oh, no, no, no. But then they say, well, there was this one time. And I'm like, <laughs> here we go. Let's pull up a chair and talk because that's what it's about. It's about sharing and finding the comfortability and the, the space in which to share these things. Because as I know I felt alone with a lot of this stuff growing up. Um, my family, they, they, let, they knew I was on the Ouija board, but they uh-huh. also thought that because I could see things and I see auras and I would see spirits oh, yeah. and uh, and they just thought, you're making stuff up. And I'm like, no, it's right here. Don't you see this, my, my <laughs> friend? And they're like, there's nobody there. <laughs> and, and so I learned at an early age to be quiet about it. So right. I did this in, in close, in a little closed, uh, behind closed doors or in corners or proximity with smaller group. So I learned to compartmentalize it, which was a healthy way. People say, well, I just want to tell everybody. And I go, that's not that's not for you to do sometimes. You're going to find yourself banging your head against the wall. Yeah. The idea is not to tell everybody what you do. It's just to be better for it and show people who you become because of it. Right. And so I don't have to prove anything. I don't care what clients think about if they Google me. I, 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 it doesn't matter because it's like I know that I can do great in this industry. I could be good in this world, in this realm. And for me, it's where do I get my most satisfaction? I don't have to prove anything anymore either. So I find if we think about the paranormal, the explorations, what we're discovering. You find those people, they'll magnetize to, you'll have conversations with them. And then you'll find that maybe your entire nuclear family or your spouse may not want to talk about it, but that's okay. They've got their things they want to do. And so it's okay. And we don't have to convince and try to right. make everybody believe. That's, that's where, that's where I am with that's, that's That was a big uh, takeaway from that experience with the, with the woman who had a sister who, who was killed in the car accident. And the takeaway from that was, I don't need to prove anything anymore. This, I, just by doing it with mm-hmm. the right people, when they come to me or in the right circumstances, there's healing to be had. It doesn't have to be broadcasted out there. Now, here I am broadcasting it but it's because <laughs> I was invited on this show. Well, yeah. And now I'm passionate. I will talk about it if I'm given the platform to talk about it, mm-hmm. but I'm not here to convince anybody of anything. Sure. Really. Sure. And, you know, I think through you speaking about this, I, I'm hoping people have a better understanding of the spirit board or the Ouija board, because, uh, you know, you hear so many people 
frightened of them. Mm-hmm. But maybe they just don't need to be. You know, if they use it's a tool. Yeah, if they it's use tarot, pendulum, um, any of those runes. I love runes. Teaching. Yeah, my mom used runes and pendulum. Oh, she's how what a cool mom. Oh, she was something, <laughs> let me tell you. And it was really funny, Karen. This is kind of a funny story. She was really into UFOs and oh, I did it. an interview with Lon Strickland and I dedicated the oh. show to her because you know, she saw UFOs. She had experiences and she was from New York State. Um, on the St. Lawrence River and mm-hmm. near Rochester and Potsdam area. And it was a small town called Santa Clara. And at one time, almost all my relatives lived there in St. Ridges Falls. And her first experience was she was driving in a car and she was pregnant with me. And, and there it was. And mm-hmm. she pulled over and the people pulled over behind her. And they couldn't move. She said she just couldn't move. And she became obsessed with that whole spiritual world after that experience. Wow. That introduced her to the whole spirituality. Wow. Yeah. So she was like, there's more out there. There's so Mm. much more. So that's, I think that was the Kickstarter. Like she always thought because she grew up around tea leaf reading. She grew up in Catholicism. She grew up with her grandma talking about spirits and boom, that hit her, I think pretty hard, but until that woman died two days before she passed, she was telling me UFO stories. <laughs> she was still? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. She has never, as sick as she was, she did not forget about that. You, When you have some experiences that this this profound, that are otherworldly, let's call it that, mm-hmm. otherworldly, you are forever changed and it will never leave you. It's like an imprint in your mind or in your heart. And some of it can be scary to some people and some of it's not, but it definitely is a gateway and initiation to know that there's so much more than meets the eye and that what we've been told. And I love that, that your mother, that really took her on a major journey. And I would say this because she grew up in a family of, of this, this type. And I did too, by the way, of this mm-hmm. tea leaf reading and all that stuff. And then, then having her own UFO experience, which I've had as well. It's like that, what that does, it's almost like saying, this is not your first rodeo. Right. <laughs> come, yeah. She's done this before. <laughs> and I know I have too. Uh, most of us here and a lot of you listening, this is probably not your first rodeo either oh, um, no. because you're so attracted to it in this life as well. So, and, and more and more, it's more acceptable to be able to talk about these things, maybe not around the water cooler at work and if you wouldn't <laughs> go into work anymore. <laughs> But it is acceptable. Look at all the shows on TV. And I, yeah. um, I I appreciate that. I appreciate how open it is. And social media has made it that way as well. And the TV shows. And, and we, can, we can talk about these things. And uh, maybe not everywhere. And again, it goes back to, you know, you pick and choose. You use discernment. Sure. You compartmentalize if you have to switch your hats. And don't convince people. But you'll, the, right people, the right people will find you that are of like mind and like heartedness when it comes to this, they're going to want to share their stories with you as well. And it's great. It's so cool. And I love hearing that, that about your mother, how she had that kind of awakening UFO story. Oh yeah. She was a trip. She really was. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. She was something else. Um, I miss her every day, obviously. But, I bet um, you do. Yeah. Do you feel like she ever visited you or came back or you felt her in some way? You know, she, it happened in 2019 mm-hmm. and it was really hard on me in many ways. Um, 
I never, and I think a lot of people feel this way when you're dealing with a parent that's ill Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of other issues family wise, you know, like my brother passed in 2004 Wow, and that kind of changed her quite a bit, a lot actually. But Mm -hmm. I think, and not to mention the hospital reassessed they reassuscitated her when she wasn't supposed to be. So she stuck around for three days in and out, I believe, of her body. And it it was a little traumatic. And I think she probably has, but I'm not open to it quite yet. Mm -hmm. It's still still pretty fresh, really. That's just three years ago. That's very fresh. And she keeps sending, I think she's the one sending me all these black tabbies that I keep having to rescue. Oh, my God. Because she loved, she had three black tabbies. And every cat, and I have one right now I'm bringing to the main society. If anyone's interested, I'm paying for its adoption fees. <laughs> so Aww. I just can't have another animal, but um, she loved black tabbies. So now coming around the house is a young male black tabby. Wow. That I named Mystic, mm. and he hasn't left my side. So I, I, I of course, had a conversation with the cat <laughs> saying, I, of can't, course you did. I can't keep you. But I'm going to bring you and get your shots. And then in seven days, the main society said I could bring you in and they'll take you up for adoption. And I'm going to pay for an adoption fee. So I make sure mm. you get a home. And he hasn't nice. left. I gave him a choice. He could stay here and do that or he can go. And he's and not, he chose to. He's not uh-huh. left my patio yet. So we'll see. Oh, wow. So, nice. Yeah. And I absolutely adore him. I just. I have five animals. So. You have a lot of animals. I well, do. I did have three cats, and then um, I had a black tabby and a black and white tabby. And a lot of people who follow me know they used to come on my shows and talk and all kinds of things. Oh, yeah. um, but they, they, um, yeah, they both are transitioned, and they still communicate with me from the other dimensions. And and I, well, who I have now is Bear. And Bear's asked me he wants a, a, a little, he wants a little sister. He's tired of the boy cats. I've always had boy cats. <laughs> he's asking for a girl cat, and he says, "I'll, I promise, I'll teach the girl cat how to use this." scratching pole i promise and so i said yeah we're gonna get one so i've been kind of looking i almost was like in the mood to adopt two cats yesterday and i just i just gotta be careful because it's yeah. like you i want to bring them all in and all my cats have been i call them rescues i i really i feel like when we said we have rescue animals the truth is they're really rescuing us and they're teaching yeah. us about unconditional love okay. and it's beautiful because we give we it's a it's a nice exchange we help them they help us so I've had a lot of cats that just come to me and just like yours, they find me or they come to me and I, or I take them out of a bad situation and then, you know, give them a life. And so I, I love that. I love that about these animals. Yeah. Such profound things these animals will say. And I did this one video, it's on my YouTube channel. It's when, after Panzer transitioned and mm-hmm. he kept, after he transitioned, um, he, I, I kept getting this overwhelming overwhelming urge to about about a week or two later to do a YouTube video. And I was like, Oh, I'm too, I can't, I'll cry. I can't. And I was just trying to go shopping, go about doing my errands for the day. And I kept hearing, you got this video, please do this video for me, please. I go, Panzer, Panzer. Um, Okay. (laughs) So I sit down and of course I'm teary eyed and I'm doing this. And it's, it's been a very popular video on YouTube. That's not why I did it. I did it because he said, I need you to get the message out about what we animals go through and how we need you to really make decisions for us when it comes to the end. So it's a very healing video. A lot of people reach out to me and tell me about the loss of their animals, but it's also, you know, painfully sad because right. it's part of life. Part of life is transitioning. 
And and even Panzer said uh, when when he transitioned, he said, you know, I'm very much alive. And, and it's true, he's come back to me, and I've felt him on the the bed with me, and I've felt his energy. And um, there's been a lot of I, I have a lot of experiences with the animals coming back to visit me after they transition, but they're very much alive. Same with people. So I, I just if there's anything I've learned about using this tool, because I don't just talk to, obviously, as we mentioned, the dead. I right. talk to many different forms of energies, consciousness, again, sentient beings. But the consciousness of the sentience of these animals who transition, they're very much alive, and so are the people. They're always around us, and their love will be with us. And even, here we go, here's a rabbit hole, here's a strange experience. Even if they reincarnate, there's that aspect of them that's left in this, like a multidimensionality of the soul. There's mm-hmm. an aspect of that left for yourself. So when you transition, they're there to greet you, although a majority of them has already moved on into another life. We're such multidimensional beings, we don't even understand that. Right. So I just want to kind of put that out there. What I've learned using this tool is about the multidimensionality of the soul and the continuation of life after life after life after life. There is no such thing as death as a final word or the end. Right. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Even with the animals. Well, Karen, how do people get a hold of you? I found you on well, social media, obviously, but you, you also did. have an amazing website. Thank you. Yeah. So you guys go to KarenADolman.com. Uh, anywhere on social media, find me, but you've got to put the A in there. I go by Karen A. Dolman. It's my middle name, uh, initial. And so KarenADolman.com. Um, find me on YouTube, Karen A. Dahlman. Find me on uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, Karen A. Dahlman. But my website, I have a lot of messages, uh, information to read, articles, all for free to check it out. I even have links to old shows I've done. Um, uh, it just, it's some TV stuff. There's some um, stuff from um, like different radio shows, podcasts, things of that nature, uh, Coast to Coast AM, things like that. And if you go to my YouTube channel, um, I'm on there for a lot of different guests, a lot of different people, my board partner. So you can see us using this tool. I talk about it in a very rational way um, and not a scary way because it's never been scary for me. And I really help you get through that. If this is something you want to explore further using this tool as part of your spiritual evolution, yes, mm-hmm. it is a spiritual tool. It can be used that way. I'm there to help you. And you can always reach out to me through my website too if you have any questions or comments. And my books are all available on Amazon.com yeah. and Kindle and also paperback. And soon, to be an audible, but that'll be coming later on this year. Awesome. By the end of the year. Now, yeah. Do you also host your own podcast, Karen? I don't, but I'm a guest on many podcasts. I just do my YouTube channel. Okay. Um, and 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 if you're interested in my readings, that's all on my website. You can read all about it and find out about that there. Yeah. Awesome, Karen. It's been a privilege, and thank you for coming on. I really enjoyed our time together. And Didi, it's been an honor to be here, and I really enjoyed our conversation. And I, you guys, we had a really cool pre-conversation yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> so, we have a lot in I, common. <laughs> we do. It's so strange, you guys, but that's what happens. As I was talking about, you open yourself to this world. You just ask for those people to gravitate towards you, and next thing you know, you meet these people, and it's really cool. You have all yeah. these connections. So, so I, thank you for th- having you're me. You're welcome, again. and I hope our paths cross very soon in person. They will. I think they will. We're we're Facebook friends already, you guys. Yeah. (laughs) And please, hopefully next year you'll come back on. I would love it. Awesome. I'll talk to you soon, Karen, and you have a wonderful night. You too. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.